Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery. I'm your host. I'm Ryan Griggs, your co-host. In today's episode, we have a conversation about life insurance illustrations, rates of returns, dividends, guarantees, misconceptions, the actions of the owner of a policy, and then we even talk a little bit about Red Dirt Cowboys. My gosh, get to it. All right. Thanks for listening. Look, what we decided to do today was just have an unscripted. Yep, he he takes a lot of notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, it's a it's it's um, un, unscripted, which none of them are really scripted anyway. We don't know how to play by a script. Well, I don't. I, if I had a script, I couldn't follow it. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way. I mean, in the life insurance business, the financial world, um, somebody's always trying to give you a script. That's fun. Yeah, but. We decided that we were just going to talk about um, illustrations today. Oh, okay. Uh, well, sounds I thought good I to me. <laughs> uh, unscripted with a topic. Yeah, illustrations sounds good to me. What well, did you want to say about those? Did you have something? There, that- there's so much to say about illustrations, and we're going to, you know, have a have a chat here. But this is this, there will be more to follow, right? But. I don't know. I mean, isn't that one of the most common questions? Send me some illustrations or? Yeah. This, have you been getting asked that recently by individuals? Um, <laughs> Why don't you just send me some illustrations? Well, Why isn't that a good idea? We get asked that. Or is it? Quite often. Well, just run me some numbers. Mm. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we have a process in our practice, and that's not where we begin mm-hmm. or end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, no, we don't just send out illustrations yeah but yeah you know i have a few things to say about illustrations you know we're specifically talking about life insurance illustrations in this Mm -hmm. episode um number one they're numbers on a page they're wrong as soon as you hit print Mm -hmm. and the outcome is not going to be what's illustrated it's either going to be better or worse more death benefit, more yep. cash value, depending on m- most of the things that it, that it depends on. You can't control. You know, you can't control the interest rate environment. You can't control the dividend scale of a life insurance company. And and I appreciate all the listeners. I really do, and I appreciate your questions and interactions. And um, but for those of you, for those of you who have maybe not listened as much as others. When we use the word dividend, we're specifically talking about dividends paid on dividend-paying whole life policies issued mm-hmm. by mutual companies. So that you know clears the field out of most of the products that Wall Street and the insurance industry has created and mm-hmm. foisted on the unsuspecting American public. Mm-hmm. But does that get you going in the right direction? Yeah. Well, I've had people ask – I was on a call recently with an individual who – had been had read Nelson's book, or some of it, half of it, some of it. He had read a portion of Nelson's book. Uh, did he read it or peruse it? Well, I just had if we even say, oh, I read half of it. It's like, well, did you? Which half? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, take that for what it's worth. But hey, he's, he did something to more right. than, greater than zero. So, uh, and we talked for maybe an hour and a half, and it just, it, it kind of ended where it's like, well, I got to see the numbers, see the numbers. It's like, okay, yeah. Well, you know, the 
it's so cer- wait, don't, it's don't leave us hanging. What'd you do? Did you send him a? Did I didn't know. No, this was a call for another agent. Oh. So I was. Did you pull out a calculator and say all the numbers you want right drink. there in your pocket? No, and they, in fact, they asked too. One of the one of the questions the was, you, uh, you know, can you can you quantify via an illustration? Can you quantify the internal rate of return or the growth rate? You know, some number to encapsulate what whole life, what IBC is, in order to compare it to something else, in order to compare it to a conventional. Sure financial asset and so I had to explain that there are people out there who will do that who will take an illustration who will then use whatever sort of software they might have to, to manipulate the fire out of the numbers on the page yeah to ca- and then you can calculate an internal rate of return and discount it to the present in order to capture some quantitative measure of the growth of the cash value uh, and just and so I acknowledge that I know that's out there, but I don't think it's very helpful because one thing that we talked about recently is that it sort of indulges that mentality of applying conventional financial analysis to dividend paying whole life and IBC, and it's just we're crossing our categories. Um, infinite banking and whole life are not investments; they're not uh, any kind of retirement assets; they're not. Uh, something that's supposed to generate a regular cash flow, like a, you know some sort of maybe a real estate investment that you might control. Uh, so to think about the asset whole life and to think about the process, infinite banking, with a conventional mindset is just going to sidetrack you. You'll get stuck on uh, particular cul-de-sacs. It's just a, you, if you look at the cash value, you leave out the death benefit. Death benefit has legitimate value. If you look solely at the death benefit, you're leaving out. You leave out the cash value. Um, and then on top of that, you know, like what, what is, what is it worth to have access to your lifetime profits ten years from now? Well, and, pick and, a number, put a rate on that. Right. <laughs> and where is that on the illustration? And what's the appropriate discount rate to present value it? Pick it. Pick a number. Pick, yeah, pick a number. And you've talked a lot about the role of arbitrary numbers in conventional financial planning. You know, we're just reverting to that. No question. Of, of just pick something arbitrary. Pick, pick something of arbitrary value. Maybe it's the cash value. Maybe it's the death benefit. Maybe it's the dividends. Maybe it's the annual growth in the cash value. You know, as soon as you hone in on something, you're leaving out other parts that have legitimate value. Not to mention just the fact of having access to capital later in life for whatever opportunities or unexpected, uh, I don't know what the negative converse of opportunity is, but something unfortunate happens, you know, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the value of being prepared when those things happen and they will, I don't, what is that? Of course that has value, but what is the value? Right. Well, it's, it's fair for someone all of us, if we're considering putting our capital anywhere, you know, I mean, we, we've all been trained and live in the constructive rate of return today. I mean, that's all you can really talk about. So that's almost a default, um, right, wrong, or indifferent that, well, what's your rate of return? You know, which reminds me of uh, Will Rogers. And he said many things, you know, Red Dirt Cowboy from Oklahoma, right? And if you haven't watched any of his trick roping, 
you need to YouTube. Him. I don't even know half the words you're talking about. <laughs> well, you, thank God this is recorded. You could play it back. Okay. <laughs> Will Rogers. Trick right. roping. Will Rod- I, I know that Will Rogers has been quoted frequently and Nelson quoted him, but everybody in the world has quoted him. And the, one of Nelson's uh, quotes was one Nelson liked and used often, mm-hmm. right? Of Will Rogers was, I'd rather have a return of my capital than a return on my capital. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's pretty important. Yeah. But, you know, don't jump over that. Look, really, Will Rogers, trick cowboy, tri- um, trick roper, right? Cowboy. Okay. Um, so it's a legitimate, you know, oh, what is a rate of return? What is, you know, I mean, my God, pick an expected rate of return, a discount factor. You know, fundamentally in the financial world, there's, you know, present value, future value, time, the time period, the rate mm-hmm. of return and the payment. I mean, you can calculate a return on anything, right? But you're still using some arbitrary numbers, discount and an expected rate of return. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, if I made, you know, 20% on a real estate deal, now that automatically becomes my expected rate of return. Mm-hmm. Right. And in, in, in that, you know, function right there, we're leaving out taxes. Right. <laughs> right yeah. We're leaving out the inflation rate. But, oh, you adjust for that or you consider that into the, the discount factor and the expected rate of return. Yeah. Or, you know, one or both. I mean, so I'm just saying that, of course, it's legitimate to get an idea of a rate of return. Um, but that is so you should get past that quickly yeah. uh, very quickly <laughs> just keep on sailing <laughs> the idea that you buy life insurance based on illustrations is damn near a train wreck or on the idea of guaranteed rates of return like that's the pitch that is out there that won't <laughs> that I've heard of you know oh well, you can get Four percent guaranteed on your money here. You know why would you do X or Y? You know, yeah. I don't know how you can come up. I don't. Uh, maybe someone could explain how that number comes about. Uh, I think that you know we we can we can touch on it, but that really, I mean, that should be addressed in a standalone sure. conversation. Yeah. I mean, if you leave your you take the dividend and leave it at interest on the company, they're going to pay you four percent. Okay. All right. That, okay. That interest rate is not anywhere in the dividend and the the action of a life insurance <laughs> uh, cash value dividend paying whole life. I'm just saying that there's. There's not a function of interest rates on there other than the interest that that the company will pay you if you, in the example, we talk it talk about a dividend, right? So a dividend is paid. That's not guaranteed. Dividends are paid by mutual companies, and the dividend published scales, right? And they're anywhere from uh, this is July 2019. Okay. Um, the published dividend scales are anywhere from 4.1 to about 6.1, somewhere around there. And, and we've talked about dividends in the past, too, yeah. right? But it's okay. To, you can't bring it up enough when you're talking about the infinite banking concept mm-hmm. and life insurance. So um, those are the published scales. If I put 100000 10000 1000 whatever, if I pay a premium, put money into the policy in the form of premium, and I have access to, you know, sixty five hundred or seven thousand, whatever that number is, and you can and you can manipulate the illustrations to build something to 
to show to a prospective client that really looks good. And all you can see is the numbers on the four corners of that page. You can't see or under necessarily know what happens to those policies that are contorted and, and twisted mm-hmm. to, to make that illustration that's palatable for someone to say, yeah, yeah, oh, that looks really good. I'm going to put all this money in there. Okay. Um, so the dividend is paid by mutual companies. The dividend scale is what is not guaranteed. If I pay a premium in year one, and, and whatever the number is, I'm going to use round numbers for me. If I pay a $10,000 premium and I only have access to you know, $7,000 at the end of year one after the dividend is paid, although the majority of that 7000 is accessible very quickly, mm-hmm. um, that's a net, net loss. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I don't care what that's, calculator that's you not, use. That's not a 4% return. No. no. <laughs> and, and, and then let's say that the dividend in that example may be uh, – uh, let me think for a minute. Maybe that dividend is 150 bucks. Uh, yeah. Whatever it Small, is, it is. Yeah. All right. How do you get a 5% rate of return? How, is that a 6% dividend? You know, is that a 5% dividend? No. 4% dividend? No. But the published <laughs> scale is four and a half or four or, or five, five, and whatever it is. Yeah. And you can't control the dividend scale. Neither can I. Nobody can. No one person is going to control. The life insurance companies only have a limited amount of control, don't they? Limited amount. Now, of course, you get a big, big company that has a lot of you know cash laying around. They can subsidize their dividend. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's so. Let's say a couple no, things. Okay. So that so so the dividends that are advertised, that rate published. that is published and advertised by the various companies, mm-hmm. that is a gross crediting rate. That is a gross dividend scale, and it has. Little to no relation to what an individual actually receive in the form of their dividend for their policy. Well, no, there is a relation, but the the policyholder should not expect to see if I paid a ten thousand dollar premium, I should see a six hundred dollar okay. dividend. Yeah, right. So whatever the dividend is, uh, illustrated at you know and received. Okay, in my example, ten thousand, and and I think I use I said a hundred and fifty dollar dividend. In that particular case, if that company is has a published dividend scale of five uh, percent, mm-hmm. right, that hundred and fifty dollars is the net result to that policyholder on a five percent dividend scale. Right. Here's the premium. Net. Here's the cat net. That's right. It is. You did. <laughs> you use the correct word. Gross. That's a gross mm-hmm. dividend. No question. Um, but net to the client is a result of, in this example, a five percent dividend scale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let, let, but let's go forward 10 years on the same hypothetical example. Mm-hmm. I paid a $10 premium, and now the dividend is whatever. 500 1200 1200 uh, 800 Yeah. It's going to be substantially larger than mm-hmm. 150 mm-hmm. Well, that's not a 5% dividend either. Yeah. Right? If I paid in a 10000 and there's an 800 uh Dividend paid, uh, <laughs> was that 8%? Is the first one 1.5%? Mm-hmm. No, that's a net result of a gross published dividend. 5% dividend scale. Mm-hmm. And so, but you can, you can, we can mur- murky up the waters and we can, you know, we can muddy the waters and it's like, oh, mesmerize somebody throwing out these numbers, 5%, 6%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're, 
initially probably going to be disappointed, and then over time they'll understand. Oh well, it's oh, not. Should have, I should have paid not. more premium. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, and then the guaranteed four percent thing. Four percent of what? I don't know, but sounds a lot like APR. And oh, yeah. don't worry. The you know the APR on that mortgage is only four and a half percent. Yeah. You know you'll pay forty five percent. By volume. By volume. But the AP, don't worry, the APR is 4.5%. <laughs> America's going broke at 3%. Right? Oh, yeah, everybody has uh, a new car financed at 3%. Their I credit laugh. cards, but my, but 10, my, 12, my, 14, 28. Yeah, but my, my point is that the, the, the arbitrary number, the arbitrary selection of various numbers to make one uh, instrument look more attractive, right? The guaranteed 4%, we try to make the whole life policy look more attractive the mortgage with apr four and a half percent you like to make that more attractive right we're, we're choosing a number to make something look more attractive when what really matters are <clears throat> things that are not enumerated right they're, they're they might be stated elsewhere on, on whatever document right i'm talking about like elements of control the degree of amortization you know the actual amount of dollars by volume that you might lose in a given debt instrument like a mortgage mm -hmm. uh, all these things matter way more and so when we selling from the illustration right we can't get an illustration in the client's hands fast enough we're just indulging that in my, no no in my no view. question you're indulging that no question you're you're uh you're you're part of the feeding problem. into that you're, you're part, part of the problem <laughs> right go. i mean and the problem is the the clarity yeah. you know and we always encourage do your research do your homework it's okay to read a book it's okay to watch videos um and it's okay to be able to separate the wheat from the shaft and when you're looking at shaft move on you know just swap left um but it, you have to have education learning understanding mm -hmm. and and it, you know it's just like it's just like the IT world and I'm not I don't want to crack on anybody I love everybody you know it's love <laughs> peace and chicken grease but you know when you're when you're ignorant of like website I mean it's like oh my gosh you're the smoke and mirrors can be rolled out oh and you feel like you got loser on your forehead and pigeon you know it's like yeah. here come take advantage of me and I'll just I'll you know Take the money. Oh my <laughs> Here's <gosh>. my checkbook. <laughs> Here, let, SEO. Here we are for, Ooh. you know, X number of dollars. Forever. SEO, APR, guaranteed 4%. <laughs> <laughs> we got to come up with a list of these uh, these terms, these buzzwords. It's like, so, ooh, ran away. So another, a couple other things, too. Like when people do talk about quantifying the value of IBC or trying to get a single quantitative metric, I think an implication often is that the two things under analysis are mutually exclusive, right? If I'm looking at the rate of return on investment A, and I'm trying to quantify the value over here on the other hand of IBC, the underlying assumption is that I'm trying to choose between the two, right? It's, sure. The, the point is to compare, to choose contrast, the best and then one. select, right? You're right. Which is misguiding because with IBC, you can stack those things, right? You won't have dollar for dollar liquidity, but you can get most of the premium payment in the form of a policy loan uh, in the 
in, very quickly within a billing cycle, right? And you can use that money to then go do whatever else you're going to do anyway. Wait so, how long is a billing cycle? Well, I don't know, thirty-one calendar days. It's. I'm just asking. Yeah, just give the company processing. Call it processing. Give him time, time to yeah. for the check to clear. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so you can you can stack the things. So people will ask these questions, and you know they take eight minutes and tell me about all of their investing experience, and it's like. You know, glad to hear it. It's very interesting for a lot of people's sure. different investment advice. And in the end, is like, well, how does that? So how does all that fit with IBC? And my <laughs> my response is, just do both. Yeah, all that's all that. Just do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I like for my clients to understand. I you know, look, life insurance is an asset. So like any asset, we should understand how to manage own and, and mm-hmm. you know, take care of uh, and use the asset. Yeah. Right. So there's uh, uh, the, the education curve continues, you know, and I mean, none of us wake up one day and know everything. Right. I don't care how many policies you own. You nope. can you can learn. Right. And then if you if you are learning, you should share. Right. Shouldn't you? I, that's, you know. My point is this, that I like for <clears throat> clients, and some clients, you know, they like numbers more than others. Some are conceptual. You know, you have the, God bless them. I don't care if you're an engineer. Um, you can get it too, but, you know, it needs, <laughs> I, listen, I love engineers. I'm just, okay. Um, they're more analytical, right? So yeah. you, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm going to compare a real estate portfolio to a bond portfolio, um, cash flows matter, right? So if we're solving for a rate of return, uh, it's better to me to get to an internal rate of return, not just the annual 5% or 6%. What's the net net internal rate of return to the owner of the asset? And that will take into account the time periods. You know, I mean, we can cherry pick, you know, one to a hundred years or one to 10 years. Uh, that reminds me of wall street cherry picking time periods. Um, <laughs> But if you have a real estate portfolio, those cash flows are going to be different than a bond portfolio, which are going to be different from an equities portfolio, mm-hmm. which are going to be quite different from a precious metals portfolio. Yeah. Whether it's bullion or numismatic, I'm just saying when you understand how to calculate a net internal rate of return, then you can compare asset class to asset class to asset class with clarity. So here's, as you were saying that, this came to me. So I did what? that. I did that. taught that seminar recently on Nelson's book. Right. And of course we spend a lot of time on part four equipment financing. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom of the page on those illustrations and equipment financing, there's that highlighted number on like first column from the right, the cumulative net outlay. Right. So what Nelson is showing is premium payments in mm-hmm. of different amounts year to year, depending upon which illustration. And then the individual the logger in this case, taking some passive income mm-hmm. in the form of dividends and surrenders mm-hmm. in the later years. Right. Mm-hmm. Then that's a outflow of cash. Mm-hmm. And then in the CD sisters example, where he's talking about the various methods of financing a car, mm-hmm. you know, he shows that the individual took, I think 50,000 per year in passive income mm-hmm. and he kills her off at 84 or 85. Mm-hmm. End of 84. You, right. 85. But mentions in there, had he not, constructed the example that way had he just let the individual live on mm-hmm. 
that individual could have continued to take right. additional passive income far far and away more than she put in no question okay so if we're truly present valuing right if we want to get a present value of future cash flows consider that if you can live long enough and if it's a non-direct recognition company and the cash value is continuing to grow year to year and you continue to use your policy to provide some additional passive cash flow either in the form of a policy loan or taking the dividend or surrendering some if that if the growth dynamics are right and the company's right and the design's right that can go on for a very 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 long time okay so if we want a true internal rate of return how far out do you want to project that and, and it's legitimate right no, if you yeah, no. make it out there that listen, long you know listen the life insurance policies today go to 120 at the end of 120 121 then you're yep. 121 it's just like nelson killing the graduating the examples in his book becoming your own banker cd mm -hmm. sisters and equipment financing too um there's illustrations in there, there's no question, and he's using them for an example, and I don't know how many times he said, if I rewrote, or if I could do it all over, if I mm. did it all over, writing his first book, Becoming Your Own Banker, I would not put an illustration in the book. And I think it probably has something to do with, you know, our conversation today. With this. <laughs> but at the end of age 84, you know, is we're just looking at time periods, and then, you know, he graduates them at age 85. All right, now. The, so the life insurance policies today, um, and in 2020, all of them, well, they still are are all today, um, amateurized, right? Um, they, they use a 120-year life expectancy. Yeah. So they're built actuarially over that life expectancy. My point being is this, you know, how long into the future do you want to go? Now, if we just look at your life, we're looking at to 120 years of age. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, young, handsome, smart, intelligent, intellectual. You know, look, every time we go somewhere and speak or whatever we do, there's uh, at least one couple in the crowd that comes up and says, James, is he available? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me see a picture of your daughter. And it's like, maybe, maybe not. Um, so, but we, so it, it, my point being is, you know, there's some lovely young lady in your future. There's probably some little Mr. and Mrs. Miss Griggs running around. And, and now we can start talking about generational. So life insurance comes yeah. with a death benefit. Mm -hmm. Death benefit is paid ta income tax-free to your heirs. Oh, wait a minute. If you live long enough, you're probably going to have grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I mean, how long literally do you want to go? And what's all that worth? Yeah, we'll put that on the page. <laughs> how about the real estate deal that you made 20% on, right? Net, uh -huh. net, net. Um, where does that rate of return show up on the life insurance illustration? Right. It doesn't, but it won't show up on your margin account either. You know, if you're borrowing money against equities, you know, to go invest in real estate, people do that all day long, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or maybe they're buying Bitcoin. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you put that rate of return, you know, on the margin statement? Oh. And the, the point being the illustration is the illustration. Mm -hmm. The most important thing that you can do, in my opinion, and this is just encouragement, you got do what you want to do. But if you're going to put money anywhere, you should do your homework, do your investigation, do some betting, um, be able to separate the wheat from the chaff, and then, you know, reach out, speak to someone who's competent, educated, able, and that is pleasant to work with. I don't know. Yeah. 
and I, the thing that all of this hides the rates of return and the illustrations and all that, the dividend oh, scales and all that, that, is that what matters at the end of the day is that the individual policy owner's behavior will affect the results the most among all parties to the contract. Yes. And also what a well-crafted uh, illustration can hide mm. is the structure of the policy and there's little to no way for the consumer to understand uh why this life insurance is il illustrates differently than this life insurance illustrates differently very rarely do you see apples to apples mm -hmm. right you have you know, um, just saying blended PUAs, for example, a pet mm -hmm. peeve of mine, I can't stand them. It's an insurance construct, mm -hmm. right? So what, is, what I mean by that, you know, you can structure a policy to raise the death benefit, to avoid the MEC, and you do that. You can do that with term. We're trying to get as much money into the paid-up additions, whatever the life insurance companies call their particular paid-up additions, <laughs> rider. We're just trying to get as much money in there as we can by the least amount of death benefit without foregoing your need for death benefit because that's a, a Legitimate. very, very powerful mm -hmm. um, tool. Um, so I'm just saying you should have some understanding on structure, okay? And... Uh, somebody's playing games with numbers on a page you can hide a lot of that absolutely substandard structure <laughs> substandard that's a good pun well, no, I'm uh, serious. It's like, but at the end of the day you know you can take a poorly designed dividend paying whole life insurance policy issued by uh, a well-run mutual company i mean that's my terminology and there's a lot behind that ratings philosophy you know financials a balance sheet mm -hmm. um and, and you can still be okay. Right? Yeah. And it's because it's dividend paying. Whole life insurance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All, right. All right. I think we time is running down. Do you have any last thoughts that you care to add to the discussion of illustrations? Yeah. You know, we appreciate your comments. We appreciate you, you know, tuning in and listening. And Yeah. And more and more people are. Cool it's all that? that money you're paying for SEO. Right. I'm kidding. It's like <laughs> the no major way. amount of money we spend, uh, 50% of our budget that goes into marketing, right? <laughs> you have a budget? <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I have, we grown, don't do, we really don't do any of that. Um, sure. Our contact information is down here, but we're not, we're promoting the idea that you can become your own banker right. in the most legitimate, shortest path to that happening in your life is understanding, reading, researching, becoming your own banker as um, from the origins, right? Nelson R. Nelson Nash. Now, every, a lot of people in the life insurance world throw his name around. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know Nelson mm -hmm. Nash. We've been doing that. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And maybe some of them have. Maybe. I don't know. Definitely read Becoming Your Own Banker. There's even a book review on YouTube with some at familiar least, faces. At least one, right? <laughs> how, many, how many do you think are going to be out in the next six months? Book reviews. I don't, I, I, we put, what, four and a half hours, five hours, and that took, and that was just what made it onto the different episodes, so the yeah, different parts. I mean, that, I don't see that. I feel uh, like a slacker when you say four and a half hours. There's a lot of hours into that. 
Well, that's how much eventually made it on the final cut. Oh, oh, finished. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. There was a lot more. Like, that was a lot of work. Yeah, we and shot that twice. Um, the first time was half, like... Three times. Yeah, yeah made some B-roll. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. That's it for me. Are you done? Yep. Thanks for listening. put a bell up here so you can tag out. Ding. Yeah, that's, out. that's my verbal bell. That's your verbal yeah. bell. Ding. All right. Thanks. No.